Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! He's bound to die, it up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound to watch a bandit run. Okay. Hello, Middle, uh, Southern Middle Tennessee. You're in Three Dudes with a View. It's our last show of the week tomorrow inside Middle Tennessee. Um, and I'm not sure Jim Ross is going to be here tomorrow. Maybe Sarah Elizabeth McLeod. But at any rate, we've had a short week, uh, three days, and this is our last show of the week. And, uh, so welcome to Three Dudes with a View. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. What are you doing, Clayton? I'm paying uh, $4.79 for a gallon of gas. <laughs> Gee, Ooh, that hurts. Yeah, that's a whole other subject. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York, how you doing? Good morning, everybody. Get just a half a gallon. Cut your price in half. <laughs> I remember my granddaddy. This was back in the days when, you know, they pumped the gas for you. And... He would, of course, we're talking about 1964 here. He would pull up to the gas station. The attendant would come out, you know, what you want, Mr. Finney? He'd say, give me a dollar's worth and hand him a dollar bill. <laughs> and that actually got him three or four gallons of gas. Mm. In some states, they still won't let you pump your gas, Bill. Well, right. They used to have butcher unions, so you couldn't get your meat from the butcher's unionless a butcher was on staff all right regular special guest dude debbie matthews how are you (laughs) good morning so good to be here was was that in columbia debbie well it was uh i have friends that live in the uh like chicago area northeast the the butcher's union was a big deal for a long time and you could not get your meat done or through the grocery store unless the butcher was on duty it was interesting how thing has has evolved from gasoline to getting your food well you can go right up to columbia Foodland right now and the butcher will be on you <laughs> he and, will be and the meat is delicious fantastic just ask for what you want and they will get it ready for you that's right it's where i get my prime and, rib every year in york alabama you couldn't drink ice water after 6 p.m huh mr york how, <laughs> what, what what was that all about well, i was a famous dude that that was a pillar of the community he was fishing, and uh, he was drinking and got drunk, fell over in the boat and drowned, and they didn't want the scandal to get out and affect the family, so they say, don't drink. I-. He drank some ice water and fell out the boat and drowned, so don't drink ice water after 6 p.m. <laughs> Did it become law? <laughs> yeah, that was on the books. <laughs> I love it. I love it. At least th- those kind of tales are priceless. Where in Alabama was that? York, Alabama. How did you hear about it? Because he's well, in York. Well, I was passing, and my name is York, so I was interested in finding out how the city became, uh, what, how they named it. They named it after a city in England, of course. So you know that was a story right. that they had posted. <laughs> there you go, folks. All right, we've got a uh, a very special guest today, uh, who's a friend of of this station uh, in many ways. He appears on history's hook i think most often when he 
comes in uh, with Tom Price. He's a, a, a among many hats he wears. He's an historian, but he's also a circuit judge for uh, the 22nd Judicial District, which includes uh, Wayne County, Lawrence County, Murray County, and Giles <laughs> County. So, Chris Sockwell, welcome. How you doing, man? Glad to be here. Thanks, Dale. You Glad know what he didn't mention? What's that? Is uh, how you get everybody to sing Jimmy Buffett at the Watertown uh uh, fish fry oh the water valley yes somebody oh, came up to me and said what is this lipscomb christian school doing to these people who are so do you want to lead us in a round of jimmy buffett this morning well i don't know if i don't know it may be too early okay i don't think Jim, jimmy buffett's not up yet he, he wouldn't do something early he's not going to get up to around 12 or 1 but you know it's five o'clock somewhere it is five o'clock somewhere that's hey, that's right that's pretty all good right. all right judge debbie now what's the backstory here well, uh, there was a fish fry in Water Valley, which is one of my favorite places in the county, and uh, people were walking in, and Jimmy Buffett came on the overhead speaker, and Chris was telling everybody, he was singing at the top of his lungs, and everybody is talking about it, Chris. <laughs> they loved it. They loved it. Well, I, I, where I had fun was the auctioning. Oh. Were you there for the auction? No, I wasn't. They auctioned cakes up at Water Valley, and their cakes are special. Okay. Must be. There was four of them. And somehow Joey Allen got me up there for the last two cakes. One of them went for $200, and another one went for 175 Wow. Well, this money going to a good cause, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, Water Valley. I mean, but they got bidding wars, and you could see the nice, the lady that whose cakes were being auctioned, and you talk about smiling from ear to ear. She was proud. There you yeah. go. I, that's a great thing. Now, folks, let me, let me, this one is always, I don't think people understand this, and these elections for circuit court judge and other judgeships only come around once every eight years uh the terms are by design long to insulate judges from political influences let them have a long time in case they uh feel they need to on principle render a controversial decision to give time for people to cool off and think better of it now let me this is always I've done I've I've taken many swipes at this in this election cycle to explain what a circuit court judge is and then you you throw in the fact that at least in the 22nd district this varies across the state the circuit court judges are also chancellors now the distinction between a chancellor and a circuit judge is I'm not going to get down in those weeds I don't think the general public uh, understands it much and doesn't really need to what you need to know though is that these circuit court judges they are the only judges that can convene and impanel a jury for a jury trial whether that be a criminal trial or a civil dispute they are the most important judges that are come to to murray county giles county lawrence county in terms of what their ability to their jurisdiction uh they they can convene a criminal court jury they can you know try death penalty cases they can try major disputes uh, of civil disputes of of any amount of money uh and uh, uh they are the the court of record for uh, murray giles wayne and lawrence counties here in southern middle tennessee in the 22nd judicial district so the, the this is you know you don't want to 
you don't you don't want to be in front of one unless you have to be uh but sometimes you have to be whether it be something about business whether you've been in a, a significant uh accident and were injured uh or whether uh you are in an unfortunate position where you or a loved one has been the victim of a horrendous crime uh so th- this this is these now in in the in the twenty second district, we have four circuit court judges. All of them are up for re-election this year. Uh, I believe at least yeah, a couple of them are unopposed incumbents. Chris Sockwell, who's our guest today, Judge Chris Sockwell, has been on the bench how long now? Chris, you were appointed to uh, by the governor uh, to uh, replace Jim T. Hamilton. You? No, no, it was Bob Jones. Judge oh, okay. Bob Jones. And how long have you been on the bench now? Since 2018. Okay. Yeah. And and let me just throw this in. We, When you're appointed, you do have to go through an election cycle to for the remainder of the term. And you ran on a post last time. In 2020. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so uh, Chris is, is now elected. He stands as an elected com- incumbent. He does have an opponent this cycle, Lee Brooks. uh who's an assistant district attorney over in Lewisburg, but lives here in Murray County. We had him on the show last week. Um, It's been my privilege uh, to practice in front of Chris before I bought these stations. Uh, And I guess, so in 2018, that's when I retired from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Nashville. So you had just just taken the bench. Mm -hmm. And um, I can just tell you from personal experience, it's, uh, Chris Sockle is a very uh, even, intelligent, um, thoughtful. capable, thoughtful. Those are all good words. Capable judge, and um, and was, he is our Republican nominee for this seat. There we go, Debbie. Excuse me, Debbie Matthews, who's our, our Republican Party chair here in Murray County. Can we get my wife in to hear these? <laughs> I'd like we'll for her. her a hand I, right I would, I'd like for her to know this. <laughs> Just want her to know. So he is the Republican nominee, and you know, that varies from county to county. Are you, are, are, do the other counties have nominees as, as a partisan candidates? Um, well, these did because we did a judicial uh, convention for the four counties. Right. Yes. There we go. Okay. So he is the Republican nominee running against Lee Brooks, who uh, will be on the ballot as an independent, where Chris will be on as a Republican. Chris is also an interesting guy. He, he's been on frequently with uh, uh, Tom Price, who's – does history's hook and and he's that's you know when he when he's not when he's not judging he does uh he's he's an historian so it it's it's all cool chris sock judge chris Sockwell, uh welcome what as you run now for re-election you know judges are and candidates for judge are very limited in what you know you you, you can't prejudge a case you can't say i'm gonna hang them all high or let them all loose uh, <laughs> you just that's you have to be careful no you can't do that right and because that's prejudging a case and showing a uh, a predisposition that judges just aren't supposed to have but tell me what philosophy you bring to the bench uh, judge cycle well, one of the things I try to do is when we went through the uh, selection process, uh, it was an attorney that, you know, we have to go through what's called a vacancy commission, Delk. And uh, the one that interviewed me um, said, you need to look at the judicial code before you come in and before we uh, go through that process. 
And so I did. And one of the things that I really liked was promoting. Uh, it said you need to promote confidence in the judiciary. And, and one of the things that I try to make a point of doing is, one, I don't ever want to lose my composure in the courtroom at all. Uh, really try to remain free of emotion as best I can. But the bigger thing is to treat everyone that comes in front of me at the beginning, treat them with a certain amount of respect because I want them to believe that they're getting a fair hearing, that they're going to be heard, uh, they're going to be heard in an even-tempered way, and that regardless of what happens at the end, they've had their opportunity to speak. Uh, I try to give everybody, attorneys, uh, I I may even get criticism for that because I let them talk a little too much, but I want them to make their record. Uh, and I want them to make sure their clients are heard. And, and again, I want to treat the attorneys with respect, too, uh, especially in front of their clients. And so that's that's one of the things I really try to put an emphasis on is to make sure people believe they're being heard. There you go. Uh, step step forth and you will be heard. The opportunity to be heard, a very important aspect of Anglo-American jurisprudence and, and other jurisprudence worldwide the opportunity to be heard folks we and let me tell you i I think sometimes we forget um we forget how meaningful the opportunity to be heard is and when the opportunity to be heard is deprived and sometimes in america sometimes in other places uh you know for at, at the very minimum the opportunity to be heard can prevent people from hauling iron, you know, coming out with guns and shooting each other because they feel they've been heard. Uh, but even more than that, it, I mean, it, the opportunity to be heard is important. And Chris Sokola, that's those are great remarks. Thank you. Let's take a break and uh, come back and talk more with Judge Sokola. He's got to be in court in just a little while, but let's talk with him until he's got to go. Visit your local Buick and GMC dealership first for new or pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Parks Motor Sales. At Parks, professional sales staff makes shopping easy. Buick and GMC financing can put you in the vehicle you want. And certified technicians keep vehicles running great. Experience the new Buick at Parks Motor Sales. Go online to parksmotorsales.com. Find your favorite vehicle. Then stop by Parks at 919 Nashville Highway for a test drive. Parks GMC. We are professional Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. 
Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Our company, The Garbage Man Incorporated, has been advertising on WKOM and WKRM for years now, and as a result, our company has really grown. Now we're looking for young, healthy, hardworking people to grow with us. We are in need of drivers and helpers. We pay serious money. So if you like outside work and want to work for a great local company, call me at 931-540-0919 and let's talk. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Serving Murray County for 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has provided the highest quality jewelry at the very best prices. They work hard to make their customers happy, and it's paid off. Their customers keep going back. Quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. We offer jewelry loans up to $4,500, and we will buy your gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still the same. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. We're going to do what they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up. Watch our bandit run. All right, folks. Welcome back. Three dudes with a view. That uh, big freight liner with the middle finger of contempt. Painted on the snout uh, is headed toward Washington, D.C., and we'll keep playing that uh, until the election in November. My name is Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. You out there. What what did it cost to fill up the tank, Clayton? Uh, I didn't fill it up, actually. I was trying to get here. I, I put in 40 bucks, and I think that got me somewhere around, um, well, I do the math. It, it was like seven and a half gallons, so... Wasn't very good, but, you know. I'm not good. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. Good morning, Delton, everybody. He did like Jack Benny. He just got a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> give me a dollar's worth. Give me I'm, give me twenty the year 2020 again. I'll, I'll go back to you. No, I mean, I Th- think things were so Mean tweets better. and low gas. Yeah. I think in 64, gas was like 15 or 20 cents. I mean, yeah. When I started driving in 1999, gas was 
around 98 cents or 95 cents a gallon. 24 and 9 tenths in 1970s, in the 70s when I was 60s and 70s when I was in school. 20, yeah. 24 9. I can, I can remember that, Mr. York. I, I remember when I was a child, we went to Huntsville. And I don't know why I remember this. This is what's strange is I remember gas being 25 cents, right at 24 9 or, or whatever it was. Wow. Uh, I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I don't know why that sticks in my head. It's always stuck in my head, but a quarter for a gallon of gas. There you go. Uh, Judge Chris Sockle, y'all, who is our special guest this morning, he is running for re-election as judge in the 22nd Judicial District, including Murray, Giles, Lawrence, and Wayne Counties. Uh, and also with us, uh, besides just Judge Sockle, is uh, regular special guest dude, Debbie Matthews. How are you? Good morning. So good to be here. So good to have the judge in this morning. It is. Uh, the judge is a friend of the station, and like I said, one of the things he does on his when he's not doing his day job is he's an historian and, and works with Tom Price on, and, and it's not just a hobby, folks. I mean, he Tom Price is the center, and Chris is a part of it uh, of doing some very very significant work to develop the history of this part of the world. So, do you, do you know how I know the heart of Chris Sockwell? How's that, Debbie? <laughs> so uh, we have a thing at the Murray County Republican Party called uh, "What Are What's on Your Nightstand? And, and uh, I should have mentioned also, uh, Judge Sockwell is the Republican nominee for this seat. Right. And um, so the judge came in, and I asked him to do What's on Your Nightstand, and he brought in the uh, book about... Uh, Ulysses S. Grant. But what he focused on in the book was how many times Grant failed but then was able to succeed. And that, you know, that that extra ability to get up when you fail. And I, I thought to have a judge on the bench that looks at people that ha- are not there for great reasons a lot of times and that they failed – He's at least looking at them knowing that their success somewhere. They just get up off the mat and keep going. And that was like, that's a judge I'd like to stand in front of. There you go. And I believe, uh, Judge Sockwell, you told me that presently you are presiding over an attempted murder uh, trial where it's alleged that, that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. Now, Judge Sockwell, you're from Lawrence County. Um, and, and tell us tell us who you, you grew up, where'd you grow up? You got family. Tell us, tell us who Chris Sockle is. Well, I grew up in uh, northwest Alabama, in the Shoals area, Tuscumbia, Sheffield. Uh, all of my folks were from there. They go back to almost the 1700s uh, down there. So Some of them uh, living up on what's called uh, the mountain, Hawk Pride Mountain, and going back. Um, and uh, when I turned 18 and graduated high school, um, I had a decision between Freed Hardeman University or David Lipscomb Univers or David Lipscomb College. They were both colleges at the time, and um, I went up and visited Nashville. And I said, "I think I'd, I think I'd like to be here." There you go. What and years were you there, Chris? Eighty-one to eighty-six. I liked it so much, I stayed an extra year. We were there at the same time then. There we go. How did we not know each other? I don't know. I look. I did look. Tried to look you up in the annual, but you didn't have your picture in there. Oh yes, I did. Well, which year? Because I looked up. I was, uh, yeah, I was president of the law fraternity. Okay, I'll need to look that up. I'll need to find that one. I'm in a lot of places. All right, I'll find it. I'll track you down. Okay, okay. I can do that. I study history a little bit. So you chose Nashville over Henderson. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it was a tough decision. (laughs) Yes. It was a tough decision, but uh, I did 
I did pick Nashville. And, <laughs> and, and let me be fair, there's a lot of good Freed Hardeman folks out there, and I did oh, yeah. enjoy my visits. And actually, that was down to the two. Uh, right, right. Uh, and that wasn't the only two. There were other places that I wanted to go, but uh, Freed Hardeman's got a lot. But Nashville, once I got up there and just saw uh, Nashville and, and Lipscomb, I just thought that was the right place for me. And it and, and it was. I think it was. All right, go keep going. Tell All us right. about and, yourself. And and since 18 years of age, I've lived primarily in the state of Tennessee. Uh, after graduating from Lipscomb, at first I was going to be an engineer like my brother. He's an electrical engineer, and I said, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this." Finally, when I got into engineering classes, I went, "Oh gosh, this is kind of. I don't know that I'm I'm wired for this. I got to be around people. I don't think I can do formulas all day." So I changed my major to math education and uh, wasn't married at the time. Nobody would have me by that time. And Not if so, you're a math major. I know, I know. It's kind of boring. <laughs> um, but uh, I decided, uh, and I'd always wanted to coach a little bit, so um, I taught school at Pearl Cone High School in Nashville, and I was there for four years. And that's uh, inner city of Nashville, and uh, I got to coach football and baseball, and I've still got a lot of relationships with some of those kids Um that i had i mean it was just a great experience for me to be there um and, and be a part of that and then i decided i think i want to go to law school i had a friend of mine that had went the year before and i said i think i can do that and really didn't have a history in my family of anybody being lawyers and so i just said i'm going to do that went to, took the lsat uh, fortunately did uh, well on that and ended up at the university of tennessee and was at tennessee from 1990 to 1993 and I wanted to go practice in a smaller area. I wanted to raise my family in a smaller area. And Lawrenceburg was kind of the perfect location because my folks were about an hour away. Her folks were from uh, lived in Tullahoma, and all of her grandparents lived in Murfreesboro. So uh, my wife and I just kind of – and we had a nice offer with a really good firm there. And that's where we put our roots down, and we didn't move again. I mean, we stayed in Lawrenceburg, and uh, I worked for the same firm for 25 years. Um, while there, I was uh, appointed city judge and city attorney for the town of Etheridge. And uh, after 25 years, I was approached about um, running or putting my name in the hat. I didn't even thought about being a circuit judge. That wasn't a priority for me. That wasn't. I thought I was just going to be just a little country lawyer for a long time, and and just do that till I retired. But somebody said you might want to consider it. And I had a couple of judges approach me about it and said you might want to consider this. And at first, I kind of poo-pooed it and just said, ah, that's, I can't get it. And then I started thinking, and I said, you know, if somebody of a certain stature asks you that question or, or tells you you might want to consider it, you probably should at least give them um, the respect to consider it. So once I started doing the math on it and kind of weighing it, I said, I might be able to, might be able to do this. And then uh, we went, obviously, in front of the Vacancy Commission, um, and uh, I felt like I'd prepared really well on that. I went to uh, uh, a vacancy commission meeting before that just to see what type of questions are asked, what they do, and did research. And uh, uh, when we went through that process, I was the first one selected in the first round um, through that. At the end of the day, there were three people selected, and then we went before the governor, interviewed with the governor and um, his council, and um, got the phone call a few weeks later. There you go. And then here we are. You've been on the bench since 2018. Again, ran for re-election uh, in 2020. And, and we're elected, so you're now an elected incumbent and a Republican 
candidate uh, nominated by the Republican Party of of well, you had a Murray what, That's well, uh, well, it was a, a joint. All, all, four. All, all four, all four, yeah. Murray, Giles, yeah. Lawrence, and Wayne. Uh-huh. All four had a joint uh, nominating. That them. was one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed. Was our judicial convention to have all the different counties in the room and they all stand up and it was in their votes. It was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful process. Really, was. yeah, you know, it should be, uh, but. Well, that's the, the hiccups we've had on the state and county level this year in that process, not not with Chris Sockle or Judge Chris Sockle, but uh, in other races have been remarkable. All and, right. you're, you're, that, and you're filling big shoes because, boy, do I love Judge Jones. And uh, so... Well, he's he he's iconic. I mean, he he's is. just he's been he's just been the almost a what would I call a rock of stability. Yeah. Thirty five or forty years on the bench. Yeah, and and he was uh, he and and what's special about the twenty second judicial district and Delk, you know this is we have been so fortunate with judges and yep, uh, we've we had we've had excellent judges and they've had th- this great demeanor. They put an emphasis on attorneys. You're going to get along. Um, and we're not going to have things out of control, but they also handle it in a way that is very respectful. Um, there are other areas, other judicial districts that, uh, some of the attorneys, uh, whether it be the DA's office, public defenders, whatever, they don't necessarily get along. Uh, and, and the trial court area can be, I don't want to call it a train wreck, but it, it can be really hostile. And we try to take that out of it as much as we can. And our judges have always done that and try to encourage the bar to get along. Um, and I think it makes for a much better process when uh, you respect each other, uh, especially in the courtroom. Yeah, and that is a tradition here that I had forgotten, Judge Sockwell, because uh, you know I left here in 94 and, and still lived here, but I practiced law in Nashville in the U.S. Attorney's Office and dealt not only with Nashville lawyers, but lawyers from New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, wherever. And it, it's vicious. I mean, just vicious and gratuitous, too. I don't even think they're advancing their clients' interests. I think that's uh, right. I think that's a good word that you use just then, gratuitous. It's, it's unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, I had forgotten. It was so refreshing when you took the bench in 2018 and I came back here to practice law for a couple of years that uh, we have such a tradition here of uh, collegiality. And I don't think, uh, but it's not a collegiality that compromises the client's interests. So it's a good thing. Yeah, Judge Sockle, have you found being on the bench uh, to be fulfilling? How does it how does it appear from the from the bench after what almost five years? It 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 is, and um, there's a, a lot of ways that you can make a difference. And um, one of the things we get to do is we get to see how a lot of things operate. You know, when you're when you're attorney. You, you try a bunch of different cases, and you see things, how they really work. Right. And um, we get to see uh, that even on a higher scale of how things operate. And, and there are things that we can do, use our influence to try to, uh, try to assist. One of the things that I've tried to do is um, uh, the programs that we have in the jails. Um, I know that uh, Bucky Rowland has put a lot of good programs in effect because he, here's kind of my thought on that, too. Uh, I'm not looking at uh, trying to get people out of what they're supposed to serve. That's not my job. That's not what I'm supposed to do. But I do think I can encourage, while we have them under uh, 
our wing, so to speak, um, there are certain things we can do to try to prevent them from coming back. And uh, the recidivism and whatever programs that are out there and whatever grants that we can get. And so I've been assisting the South Central Workforce Development Group in obtaining grants um, to to spread uh, since I've been around that the programs in the uh, Murray County Jail have expanded to Giles, Wayne, and Lawrence. Um, Things like getting their GED. We know that if uh, uh, those are incarcerated, get their GED, it lowers the recidivism rate for them. And, and other things along those lines and kind of using the uh, influence and, and me being able to see more from the inside how that works, trying to find ways to put them to find ways to get them out of this system and into a better place uh, to stay with their families, to support their families, which is a win-win for everybody. If, if they're out of jail, you know the most expensive thing we can do is put somebody in jail. Yeah. If we can find ways to keep them out of jail, we're saving the taxpayer a whole lot of money. But if they're actually working – we're getting a double dose because we're getting the taxes that they're generating by working and paying their own way. And on top of that, they're paying for their children yeah, and taking care of their families. And and that's where I think we all want to go. I think everybody wants to go to the same place. It doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you own, your own. You want people's behavior to change and to do things in a positive way. There you go. All right, folks, it's time for another break. And Judge Sockwell, I, if, I know you've got to get away at some point. Um, but maybe we'll say goodbye on the other side here. All right. This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. So you had an accident. Now what? Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop. You can count on us to repair all makes and models. Our certified techs will take care of everything from frame damage inspection to bump out or replacement with OEM parts. We've got the expertise to make your vehicle better than new and get you back on the road in no time. Plus, our collision work is guaranteed for the life of your car. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop to the rescue. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Let's talk custom design jewelry. Did you know Tillis Jewelry in downtown Columbia creates custom design jewelry and has been for over 30 years? From one-of-a-kind engagement rings to wedding bands and so much more. We want each piece to be as unique as you are and create a family heirloom for tomorrow. Call today and make an appointment with one of our designers. And just for calling, you will receive a free 30-minute consultation. Tillis Jewelry, creating custom jewelry proudly in Tennessee. For 40 years, Beck Dental Care has been the personalized and comfortable option for the health of your smile. The caring staff maintains a high level of safety protocols and attention to detail. Advanced technology provides your choice of sedation and the best of dental implant solutions to restore complete oral health. Open until 6 p.m. two nights a week. Call us at 931-388-8452 or visit us online at beckdentalcare.com. It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, 
the 110,000 high school student athletes in Tennessee have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about Tennessee high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hot summer weather is approaching. Nobody wants their HVAC to break down in the extreme heat. That's why Hiller is offering a free service call with any repair to help keep you cool all summer long. And this month, we're offering special zero-interest financing for up to 60 months on select new HVAC systems. Stay cool all summer. Visit HappyHiller.com today for details. Happy you'll be, or the service is free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch your bandit run. All right, we're back. Three dudes with a view. I'm dude number three, Del Kennedy. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How's it going? Doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right, dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right, regular special guest dude, uh, Debbie Matthews. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. And folks, uh, Judge Chris Sockwell, who is uh, uh, exiting to go get on the bench. He's got a trial underway. Uh, Judge Sockwell, you are a candidate, a Republican candidate for re-election this fall to the uh, circuit court of 22nd judicial district including murray giles wayne lawrence counties and um let's see, i mean first of all before you go miss york I, mean, I always try to particularly on republican candidates what shoot what you got yeah i was gonna uh ask judge uh in view of the the climate of the country the supreme court seems to be skewed to to more conservative circuit court rulings have been seen to been more uh, skewed as as conservative. What do you do to demonstrate that you're a non-partisan judge uh, in, in your actions? Well, I think, um, and, and Del can probably touch on this as well, I've never had it come up in court. It, it doesn't come up. The main thing is that a circuit judge, we don't really make policy. We follow the law as it's written. Um uh, that job's left to the, the appellate courts, and I think that's why there's such a fight for, like, the Supreme Court, because they set things as policy. We don't do that. And I can say in the four years that I've been on the bench, I don't think I've ever had it come up, or or it's even entered my mind. 
uh, about whether somebody's a Republican or a Democrat. I think it's more about apply the law evenly and fairly to everybody. Uh, and when they come before you, uh, that's what you do. And, and I think what I said earlier, make sure you listen and take that into account. But um, And even in my 25 years of practice, I can't say that I've ever had it in a courtroom come up, whether this person is a conservative or liberal or wherever they are. And, and I think judges, uh, no matter where they are, whether they're in Nashville, whether they're here, you really, really try to take that out of the equation. Um, and it's somewhat easy to take it out because, frankly, I don't know that I've ever, I've ever had it come up. No, but we do want we I, I I believe that the judges should run as an R or a D because it does there's an indicator of are you going to apply the law? Are you going to make the law? Are you going to be lenient towards certain things? Blah blah blah. When people are looking cuz so many people go in blind and they don't know the judges, it gives them an indicator of sort of where these people stand uh in their thought process. And there's also a body that's going to be watching that thought process over the next eight years and holding them accountable um, to make sure that they don't deviate and get political um, or float too far the other direction. So There you go. Clayton, what you got? Judge Suckle's about to go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I've enjoyed having Judge Sockwell on this morning. Um I guess uh, my question would be, um, you know, I've been asking all the politicians what they see as the biggest challenge. Your job's a little different. What you're running for is a little bit different. Um, what 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 made you decide you wanted to uh, to end up? You know, I, you said you were appointed in the role in 2018. What what has made you decide that you want to continue to do it? And what do you love about being a judge, circuit court judge? Well, I, one of the things I enjoy is just being around the people, um, uh, being around uh, the attorneys, being around the other judges. Um, uh, I go to judicial conference, I think, in June. Um, you find out that these are real people. They do real things, and and it, it, it reinforces your belief in humanity that there's a lot of good people out there. Uh, we do a lot of difficult things, and we see a lot of bad things, but there's so many more good people that really want to do what's right, and and they're in the system. They're judges. I, I know some that uh, we go to conference with. They're elders in their church. They're bishops in their church, um, and and they try to do a great job using what influence they have to better the world around them. And I, I think that's what we all try to do. And I think we should do that. If we've got, uh, if you're given much, you've got a lot you have to give in return. And and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is I've been blessed to have uh, what inf- whatever influence that this office brings. And I think it's important for me uh, to do as much as I can to use that to good, um, to help people get better if they've got problems, to make their lives better if we can, to protect the public, um, to do a whole myriad of things uh, that makes our communities better. And, 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 you know, we've all, it's just an opportunity for public service to do good and uh, to do the right thing, to follow the law, I can't stress how important it is for us to have structure and to have these institutions that are so important because we see around us and the world around us, when these institutions start failing, civilization fails. That's right. And so these are so important, and and I want to strengthen them, and I want to make sure we have people uh, that respect it in these positions and that we kind of filter that out to all of those 
that we come in contact with and that we deal with on a day-to-day basis there you go now you say you're you're from alabama correct (laughs) yeah but i'm a tennessee and been a tennessee and since since i was i've always been a tennessee and since i've been an adult Okay, but this is the question. Who do you root for in SEC football then? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, okay, this is the last question. Okay. Um, I grew up an Auburn fan because my brother went to Auburn. Um, and it, everybody says, well, then how do you root for Tennessee? And I said, this is very easy. I went to Tennessee. They gave me a law degree. And remember this, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The common denominator. <laughs> we got a common denominator. So it's easy yeah. being a Tennessee and an Auburn fan because we, we know who the evil empire is. <laughs> All right. Judge Chris Sockle, come back. Pleasure right. to have you. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's see, Clayton. We wanted to cover a couple of things uh, we were talking about. First of all, a year or so ago, we covered the story of Missy Todd, uh, who was a a cheer coach and a teacher at Columbia Central High School. She was charged with, I think, a felony and two misdemeanors. And after a trial last week, week before, I think, she was acquitted of all charges. Um, So uh, there you go. Now, Clayton, there's still uh, the the comptroller's report is still out there and found – you know, accounting discrepancies in the cheer program, including what seven thousand dollars that's unaccounted for. Correct. I, I don't know the exact number on it, but it, it that that is in the comptroller report. But you're exactly right, Delk. Um, I, I believe uh, uh, the gentleman who just left the building was um, it was involved in that case, and and uh, yeah, Joe Sock will try to yeah. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's important that that we report that, and um, you know, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and what you're saying, I mean, the the comptroller, the comptroller is an auditor, folks. Uh, they're they're accountants, so what they found remains uh, accounting irregularities, money not accounted for, but. Uh, there at least there there's no criminal you know money can yeah, get bro- bro- money bro- can get misplaced without a crime occurring there, there's a difference between broken policy and breaking the law right you know so you can do one and not the other you see what i'm saying so yeah it's uh it, it was a mess yeah i mean bad accounting is not a crime yeah i mean it's just bad accounting you know uh and so there you go but we wanted to follow up on that because we had talked quite a bit about it uh, a year ago and and folks we want to let you know the end of the story miss york what, what's your comment there i was gonna say uh there's there's i'm hearing there's a change at central high again another removal of a principal uh, going to mount pleasant middle and uh i don't know who's going to replace uh kevin Eady. we are in uh well, that was uh, you know we had a bunch of people in the station yesterday talking about the turmoil in the public school system in murray county over the last year or so and uh it's it's definitely turmoil i don't clayton you got any final thoughts on that i don't i i think um you know we'll, we'll see what happens uh here in the coming weeks um you know they're gonna have to uh, find a replacement uh because there's a my understanding there's a lot of openings at columbia central high school uh as far as in the, with the faculty and everything else so um you know, I I, I, I personally, I, I'm a big Kevin Eady fan, and I, I hate to see him go. But um, you know, business is business sometimes, and, and you know, I'd, yeah, I don't. How know. can you have high performance in education 
and you can't have stability. You don't have stability yeah, on the board. You don't have stability in the schools. We have lack of luster hiring. 57 teachers last year. How many more slots will be vacant this year? Well, that that the the, the vacancies. I mean, it's not that that's not because of Murray County, Mr. York. I mean, every school system in the country is having trouble filling vacancies. Uh, but the the good news is of the pay increase. I do think you'll see teachers from other counties around us that aren't making as much jump into Murray County because of the open vacancies, and it's a pretty significant pay increase. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm. I mean, I, I don't have school aged children. I, I'm sitting on the you know on the bench, just sort of watching all this and going well okay i'm not sure what's going to happen here or why this happened um i don't see a lot positive i don't have a good feeling about what's happening now in in murray public schools uh but i may be wrong so we'll see um yeah but like i said the leadership is flexing and and fluffing and you know there's no stability and well, and you expect kids to learn. You expect right. kids to, to be important. Look like that should be the most important thing that this county does in the school system. Yeah, I, I think the most You know, when the really good people start to bail, and Ryan Jackson, who was principal down at Mount Pleasant of the of a what do you call it a, a unified school system, uh, high school, middle school, grammar school, uh, Ryan Jackson just left. Uh, and when you have people of that caliber departing, um, that that tells you something. Uh, and Clayton, real quick though, you were familiar with this. Ryan submitted a, and you you've seen it uh, a, a detailed plan to improve Murray schools. What, what was uh, it? It was for a position that he had applied for at the central office that he ultimately did not get. But um, you know. Ryan Jackson, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, uh, when when he first got in the school system, like, who, who is this guy? Uh, but I think he proved time and time again that um, he could usually back up what he, you know, he'd back up what he was preaching. And um, he told me over a year ago, he didn't think, you know, a principal needed to probably be in one place any longer than eight years. Sometimes you need to change things up, and um, that's that's what he decided to do. And you know, I hopefully at some point in the future there could be a spot, hopefully in our system for him to uh, for him to come back. And uh, but I think he's going to go out and enjoy the uh, motivational speaking tour, and uh, he'll do great at that. He he he's he's very he's an excellent communicator, and. Um, wish him nothing but the best you know oh, i'm sorry mr york go ahead i was gonna say all i can say is that the new board coming in will have a humongous task trying to herd the cats and get things in order that we will see how good they are at organizing and setting policy and direction and, and promoting the and school folks, system what mr york's bringing up now but in between people who are retiring from the school board and people who are likely going to get beat because they're going to be running against republicans uh, the you know we're going to have a new majority on the school board come August, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Also, on the Murray County Commission, folks, 
18 out of 22 commissioners are not returning. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. We're going to have a brand new commission. Now, why is that important? Uh, uh, Eric Prevetti, uh, among other things, you know, the, the headline in yesterday's paper, Murray County raised property taxes. Scott Summers, the uh, director of or the chair of the budget committee, has been on this show telling us that to build the schools that we have to have, nobody – you know, we're, we are seeing explosive growth just to build the schools we need to educate the kids that are coming in here. Over the next five years, it's going to take a quarter billion dollars, and that's probably low. And that is a 20% property tax increase before you ever, just to build the buildings before you hire a teacher. Now, uh, yeah, Eric Prevetti was on here talking about wanting to build a new courthouse. What's the name of that firm? Uh, uh, Hewitt Spencer. Hewitt Spencer, who Eric calls a building advocate, is their title. That's strange as hell to me. But Hewitt Spencer, uh, the same firm who told us, and and the quarter billion dollars doesn't include the Spring Hill High School, but last fall, and this is underway right now, Hewitt Spencer told us that the new high school in Spring Hill would cost $74 million, and that's the amount of bonds we issued. Well, guess what? That's now clocking in at over $100 million. Hewitt Spencer is now telling the county that they can build a new courthouse for $30 billion. Bull. (laughs) We call Gallatin, Tennessee. Murray County wants to build a 55,000-square-foot courthouse, which I don't think is necessary. I'm, I'm very familiar with our courts and what they need. But assuming that's true, you know, that damn thing's going to cost $100 million. And we call Gallatin, who's building a 40... Uh, we've got them on the phone. They're building a 40,000-square-foot 40, courthouse, 15,000 square feet smaller. The, the cost right now is $87 million and rising. Now, it includes a parking garage, but it doesn't include $57 million worth of parking garage. This is, they need to get rid of that consulting firm because all that consulting firm is doing is milking the calls and making money. Bingo, Mr. Short. See you next week.